right, ladies and germs, friends and fiends, from nearby and far away. It's your boy Rocco, king size muscle. Local 666-269 podcast. Straight out of Shumway, baby. From the crew. Jeez, what is today? It's a Sunday, right? Hard to say when you live outside of time. May, what is it, 22nd? Wow. May just kind of all ass, didn't it? Even though it was a weird one. With full moon and eclipses and Scorpio and retrograde and all the stuff that went on. I think anybody that was a witch or a cultist or whatever else was having kind of a hard time if they were really balls deep into the astrological effects of whatever the hell's going on around here. Um, so yeah, I heard a lot of whinging and a lot of whining and a lot of complaining over the last few days on them their social medias. That I like to whip, 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 9,000. I, I actually feel pretty good about it, so whatever's going on must be uh, effective for me. I mean, it makes sense, right, that the, the galaxy and the solar system is absolutely possible. We might have, you know, drifted into some kind of cosmic fart cloud. <laughs> a shark cloud, a cosmic shark cloud. Um, or, recent uh, information has uh, come out with more people looking at the uh, Gateway uh, project from the Central Intelligence Agency, who released um, some declassified documents, which they do, they dump on occasion, like, you know, it's not going to hurt anybody, right, supposedly, or it is another part of their social engineering. We never know. So... Take it with a grain of salt. It's actually really interesting. The uh, Gateway program, which features HemSync. Um, this is something that I was using many years ago, along with binaural beats. And essentially, it's uh, a way to sort of reprogram your mind uh, to get into a state so that uh, you can elevate maybe your remote viewing or your. What's the word I want to look for? English. It's a language. Um, Remote viewing or perhaps other types of uh, psychic phenomenon. Oh, astral projection. Sorry. I really did just wake up. Astral projection, among other things, um, interdimensional uh, Doctor Strange type travel, I suppose. I haven't seen it yet, so no spoilers. Okay. Um, it's, It's an interesting document. It really is. And, and the last part is the thing that people are finally getting to where um, they reveal that perhaps we live on a prison planet and we're surrounded by these interdimensional reptoidy build, uh, people or beings, I should say, that uh, keep us in a constant state of fear because that's what they feed on. Interesting concept, right? They call it loosh. This, this energy that we generate in this system. And again, it's, it harkens to the idea that uh, was presented in the Matrix 
uh, in the first movie where Agent Smith is complaining to uh, Morpheus uh, basically how the simulation was happy and rosy in the beginning and, and we didn't stick to it, but once we made it miserable, we loved it, right? And so we sort of naturally, uh, our misery uh, is uh, our social currency, it seems to be, in society, especially with the systems that we have now. So, I mean, it, it has a little bit of interest in the sense that we do seem to enjoy our misery or our negativity, and a lot of things about our system uh, seems to definitely push those aspects. It's kind of odd, right? So, again, is this one of those cases of... of Man not fully understanding the situation and attributing meaning to it the way that we've done throughout history. The way that we've looked to the heavens and said, hey, there's a, a guy up there in a chariot carrying the sun, you know, that kind of stuff. Oftentimes, I think we project our meaning in order to build a construct for ourselves that we can interpret or deal with. It was reported that when the first Europeans came to the Americas, that the natives at that time had no concept of even like a large ship or the way they were dressed with armor or even horses and things like that. I mean, it was even, even hard for them to imagine. And they didn't even know what they were looking at in the beginning because it was so strange or foreign or alien to them. And so they assigned meaning to it, right? They assumed a lot of times that the Europeans, or in this case, uh, the conquistadors, when they came into uh, South and Latin America or the Caribbean, a lot of those natives instantly thought those guys were gods. Uh, and so that didn't help the situation as in the sense that we probably should have killed them on sight, changed this entire timeline, but that's okay. <laughs> I'm kidding, of course. Uh, this is actually not a very uncommon phenomenon. I mean, it was documented um, in the last century uh, in the cargo cult situation, I think, in uh, areas of Papua New Guinea, uh, in the remote places on the island that uh, those natives had never seen anybody outside of their own tribes. And so when the first airplanes came or brought different items and so forth over World War II, sometimes cargo um, was jettisoned or dropped or crashed or whatever else. And, and so they always just thought it was gifts from the heavens. I saw some pretty interesting footage from an anthropology class that I had at the university of... Um, archive footage of, of the people that, that were visiting these, these remote villagers in Papua New Guinea. And, and of course they said, well, we thought they were gods. But then their local shaman, he kind of kept an eye on one guy, you know, because they're very sort of sus as well, right? Like, are these gods? We're not sure what's going on. What do we want? They got, they got some strange requests. You know, obviously we're looking for some kind of resources to exploit. Um... For the, and along with the people, of course. So the uh, the shaman basically followed uh, this guy around until he saw him duck in the bushes and take a crap, and he thought, "Wow, God, God shits." <laughs> they said, "Hmm, maybe, maybe, maybe he's not a god after all, right?" 
Uh, now it makes me think of, of course, uh, the 300, right? See a god king bleed. <sighs> this week was, you know, pretty compressed in the sense that it's hard to believe that it's already uh, Sunday. And, you know, we started the week, of course, uh, with an interview. We went through the motions on a couple other things. I've been doing a lot of dog sitting, uh, helping out uh, my future ex-wife. Uh, she's an avid dog dog sitter, house sitter person, because she's awesome, and people love her. And uh, she got double booked, so I had to take the overload, which is fine, because I, I, I love this dog here. Her name is Brandy. She was a uh, rescue, and the lady that has her is actually a really cool lady as well. And we used to uh, work with um, marginalized uh, populations, especially for females, uh, in getting them out of situations, uh, maybe where they were in abusive situations, or. Um, sort of different types of relationships where maybe there is a lot of isolation or neglect or something like that. And so giving them the tools through the process of, of course, counseling and education and kind of getting them on their own feet and getting them out there and realizing that they can survive um, without their abuser. So, you know, I got a lot of respect for that. I think that's that's awesome. Anytime you can empower somebody, give them the tools and the skills to change their lives, you create value. And that's a big thing for us, of course, is, you know, in order to create value for others, we have to create value for ourselves. In a, in a way that is, from the heart, or is genuine. The biggest challenge, I think, for a lot of organizations, um, even a lot of charities, which you need to double check your donations, by the way, because you, you got to understand how they how they use the money. Some of the bigger, well-known organizations they have such a high overhead, and so if you contribute any sort of financial support or whatever else, sometimes only very little of your contribution actually goes to the to the reason that you sort of decided to give. Uh, because they have high administrative costs and all that marketing and so forth. And um, it's a reason to be sometimes skeptical of some of these organizations, especially if they've been around for quite a long time, because the, the dynamics of, of that is, you know, to continue to grow and to expand and, and you know, require more, need more. Uh, and so that's kind of the dynamics of, of systems that they as they move on, they get larger and sort of more unwieldy and dependent on outside forces as well as the inside forces. You get a, a very huge construct, and it's very easy to, to tip that or, or corrupt it, and the in-purpose is sometimes lost. So when I think about, about donating either funds or time, which for me is probably the most valuable aspect, um, I really like it to be somewhat localized so I can I can see it I can I can I can be engaged in it and then I, I'm a lot less skeptical with 
uh, my donation. Of course, the concept is sometimes people do it to make themselves feel better, giving a gift. They, they say there's no strings attached, but, but sometimes, you know, people do it not out of genuine generosity. They do it out of a, a sense of entitlement or even guilt. That's okay. At least it's still a, still a donation. I mean, I'm not, not knocking that and so forth. I'm just saying for myself, and I'd like to have a more direct involvement or hands-on approach. And so when it comes to things like educating marginalized populations, um, you know, helping people get started in life or get out of a situation, you know, that's, that's a great thing to do. And I'm always, always for that. Here in Shumway, we actually have a um, women's um, shelter. It's uh, on the other side of the fence of my street here, which is actually a dead-end street, which is nice because there's not a lot of traffic. But there's a, a cut between the shelter and the street, and, and sometimes uh, the ladies are encouraged to use the cut, and so that, that way they can kind of have a, a secret way to get in and out of the shelter. Um, and, and we have stocky boyfriends that show up. It's happened at least twice last year. Um, you know, when they start having a bunch of palava and mess out in the street. Uh, I've had to intervene on both occasions just by going out and putting my body sort of in between the abuser and the victim. Uh, I don't say anything. I don't, I don't really engage. I just kind of keep walking towards the abuser who's usually yelling and ranting and you know, trying to bullshit and I just use my size and just my energy and I just keep walking towards them. Luckily for me they're all chicken shit. <laughs> they usually run the other way. Uh, I don't know what will happen in a, in a situation where someone is not chicken shit and so I didn't really think my self all the way through it, aside from the fact that I, I thought having my presence there would be enough for the victim, the lady, the woman to turn around and go back to the shelter through the secret way. Uh, obviously, you know, we've had some incidences in the past as well. Here in Shumway, it's uh, even all uptown Vancouver, so it's uh, pretty mellow. We've got a good set of, of neighbors and, and uh, people around us it's pretty quiet aside from the fire station which actually i don't mind so much i think it's just part of living in the city but the uh idea sometimes of of this domestic violence bullshit that comes up and when these abusers show up i mean both of those guys literally were, were cookie cutter um in the sense that they were almost identical, not only in their appearance, um, you know, young, angry white men, <laughs> uh, you know, the wife beater t-shirt, the, the dirty ass Levi's, maybe a skateboard, <laughs> uh, generic cigarettes, you know, you get the idea. And so, the thing that was odd, too, is, is they were actually sort of shouting and yelling the same things, very sort of passive-aggressive stuff, you know. I love you, bitch. <laughs> I love you. I'll fucking kill you. You know, that kind of shit. 
uh, it's fucked up <laughs> for the most part in the sense that sometimes we get down on ourselves and um, we get too caught up in our own head and and uh, we blame ourselves and we have a lot of regrets whatever else and then all you gotta do is go out in the street and put yourself in between an abuser and a uh, victim and then you realize yeah my life's not that bad <laughs> I'm not living in a, in a shelter with other uh, domestic abuse survivors I don't have my, my partner trying to stalk me and you know make me feel like crap so they can abuse me again so you know the old adage right take your problems let's get our let's get together let's put all our problems together on the table and then let's take the problems back and you know are you going to take someone else's problems or are you going to take your own problems it's another benefit i think for some people when they go to uh, meetings aana group therapy whatever else uh, is to listen to other people's stories and put your own sort of story in perspective Obviously, we can't completely compare ourselves to other people, and, and nor should we really. It means do we get to the point that we feel pretty confident with ourselves. Uh, I don't worry about being on any sort of timeline or keeping up with the Joneses. If you're here to experience the, the physical self with your mental projection or your spiritual projection or whatever you want to say it is um, then I would suggest that putting yourself on everybody else's timeline is probably not the best idea only because it, it sort of numbs you out it nullifies your desire to do things on occasion like roll the grass apparently <laughs> I don't know if you can hear the lawnmower in the background or not. I got the window open. It's pretty good weather. These are these are the, the solid weather days for the Pacific Northwest. And the sky is blue. There's no cloud in the sky. Not a lot of chemtrails. <laughs> and the temperature's starting to warm up, at least for us. And so we're, we're digging it. Coming back to the, the concept again of not being on someone else's timeline is, is useful in the sense that you set different goals for yourselves because you're living somewhat outside of time. You're not you're not in a rush to do things. I mean, it took me nearly well, let's see here. I'm gonna say probably 20 years to finish my first degree. <laughs> Hard to believe, right? You know, I, I, I took a gap year out of high school, which was not a good idea uh, for me. And then I went back to junior college like multiple times, taking a class here, taking a class there, uh, taking a full load, maybe doing a, you know, a full semester. And, and so I, I cobbled together a bunch of, uh, of credits and so forth. And eventually, when I returned to school to get my teaching degree, luckily for me, they, they washed my sins and they accepted this hodgepodge of, of credits that I'd collected over the years and uh, whatever requirements. Like, I think I had to take a science course over the summer. I took marine biology. That was one, one area I needed a science course. And so that was actually pretty cool. I did it at Lane Community College. We actually got to go out to the coast and 
go to tide pools and learn a bunch of pretty cool things about uh, well, the marine environment, local environment. So that was kind of nice. So not being so pressed or worried or trying to keep up with the Joneses and thinking, I have no problem going back to school in my late 30s to get my teaching degree in uh, being not only twice as old as most of the students in the class, but I was even older than a couple of my professors. One of my favorite <laughs> anecdotes out of that, I came into class one day and a couple of the a couple of girls were hanging out in the front. You know, beautiful. Nineteen years old, fresh off the farm, just beautiful girls, you know, full of love and life and laughter and obviously it was a it was a secular college, so they were pretty poly purebred for the most part, you know, just just cute. You know, thigh gaps. <laughs> busty, whatever you want to say. Just just sweet and attractive and um, anyhow, they were listening to uh, music from the 80s. And so, of course, you know, hey, hey, ladies, you like 80s music? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, we love 80s. <laughs> and then the reality hit me. I was, for them, I was old. In the 80s, were an old time. It was shocking to me because when I think of all of these, I, I could see myself at, at, at KJMB in Blythe, California, holding a black album that said all of these on it, and it was standards. Frank Sinatra, Doris Day, uh, Xavier Cougat, whatever it was, right? Those were old days. And then you can kind of push it up a little bit forward to, you know, the 50s with the the doo-wop stuff, you know, cruising around in your lowrider and so on. Hey, put on some oldies, hey, you know. And then, you know, it's great stuff, right? But to think that the music that, that we defined ourselves as, supposedly Gen X, right? Again, I don't want to be stuck on timelines, but for people in our age group, my age group, who went to high school in the 80s, I know, it seems like a long time ago. In fact, it probably is for some of you. It's hard to imagine that, yes, there was a world of some kind before you existed. Uh, at least I was there. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm happy that a lot of the music that we have is, has held up over this period of time, the same way that the, the actual the actual oldies, same way that my oldies kind of held up in some way, but yeah, and the fact that we hear a lot of artists now that are influenced by or in some ways it's an homage to some of the better aspects of 80s music oldies <laughs> oh man time's a trip so you know might as well live outside of it because it'll bite you in the ass and the other thing is don't get old <laughs> that's the best advice it's it's hard to avoid because of the nature of entropy in the nature of the system, you're gonna age, no matter how much you fight it, right? No matter, no matter how long you keep your your head frozen, Walt Disney, you're not coming back, okay? Um, <laughs> unless it's like Futurama in a jar with Nixon. <laughs> so 
the concept here is dealing with being on your own timeline in that aspect. And you're still going to age and don't get old. Don't lose your whimsy. It's one of my favorite ones. Whimsy is where we get our moxie. And so for those of you that aren't into Yiddish, because you don't know anything about the Catskills or Rodville, Whimsy, of course, thinking about being whimsical. And for an adult to be whimsical sometimes comes under criticism. You haven't grown up. Stop being like a child. You know, that's act your age, right? Hmm. Fuck off. <laughs> I don't want to do that. And nor should you. Well, I mean, as long as you are taking care of yourself and your responsibilities, then yes, please do whatever the fuck you want to do, as long as you're not hurting anyone else. Hopefully you're not hurting yourself, but sometimes we do that. Um, sometimes we like it. <laughs> sometimes we get off on it. Um, not for everybody, of course. And so, being outside of, of the other people's timelines also frees you from being outside of, of sort of their objectives for you. And I always I always thought that was odd. I think I'm lucky that I used to go to a different school once or twice a year up until about junior high. And, and traveling around and going to different schools and so forth uh, in childhood perpetually made me the new kid at school. Uh, for most of uh, primary and, and up, like I said, to about 8th grade. And so so I already had a, a pretty full belly of, of how people were around that time, or how kids were, I would say. And I thought, geez, no matter how far you go, it's still pretty much the same. And so I just embraced being different. I had to. I didn't really have much choice, to be honest with you. And so you finally kind of accept it and get used to it and you turn it into one of your other superpowers hopefully so imagine my surprise uh, after I finish the 8th grade that it turns out I'm going to stay <laughs> difficult high school and I thought oh geez think of all the shit I pulled this year now I'm going to come back for another year and I'm, I'm that guy yeah of course so you begin to you begin that, go through that acceptance once you sort of decide to live outside of other people's confines for yourself. We do it to ourselves anyway. We, we, we restrict ourselves and, and we fill ourselves with self-doubt. You know, we are our own governor on the engine of our own sort of progress or trajectory. And the way that a, a governor works is basically you can only take the engine uh, so high in its RPMs or uh, speed, I would say. And so... I used to drive a, a military uh, surplus vehicle and uh, at six cylinders, great engine, straight six, uh, would go anywhere, do anything, but you couldn't go over, I think, 45 miles an hour because of the governor on the engine. And that's one of the reasons why the vehicle lasted so long is because it was never, never put to the task, I think. Makes sense. Yeah, I think it was a... 64, yeah, three-quarter ton 64 weapons carrier in bright city yellow. I was very famous for that one in high school. Uh, looked kind of like a, eh, kind of like the older Jeeps with a 
truck bed sort of. Um, and it was, yeah, city, city yellow. And so I used to get a lot of shit for that thing, but people kind of loved it because I just kept driving. And so it was like having a clown car in high school. And my buddy who was on the show not too long ago, um, Juan Leon, he came up with the name Radzilla because we're Godzilla fans. So like radical Godzilla. And so he even gave me a uh, Godzilla that we, we painted the same color and mounted on there. Until of course my dad tore it off because got that, that gay shit on there. Okay, Bob, whatever. You're the one that's blowing people, not me. So, uh, <laughs> projection. Radzilla was, was definitely a lot of good times. Uh, you know, we used to we used to go throw dice, as we used to say. Let's go for a dice. Uh, small town blues, right? So you get in your vehicle and you, you maybe you go out in the field somewhere and you you know you do a couple 360s and whatever else, hit the e-brake and you know just spin around if it's muddy or uh, slick or whatever else. You're just having fun, right? So we got the bright idea that we we're going to throw a dice behind the high school in the in the in the field, like the soccer field, play field. Because the sprinklers had been on, and we've been there working on something. I think for the for the band or drama, I can't remember what it was. And so kind of a group of us. And we were at Radzilla, and so we went out there and did a few loopy loops. And of course, we're fucking the field up, you know, you know big 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 tired um, divots all over this thing. And you know, fuck that, right? It didn't even occur to me that would be a problem. Well, of course, the, they call the cops, and the fucking police show up, you know. Lights, lights are going, and we saw the lights come around through the campus. And so, uh, this vehicle had a special thing for for blackout situations, like in a in the air raid. And so, you could turn all the lights off except for one little pinpoint light right in front of the driver. I mean, like a kind of like a powerful flashlight, sort of. And you couldn't really see it at a distance, but I could see. And so it was a, a sort of a special design. It was a light kind of with a hood and a, um, a lens specifically designed for that purpose. So you could drive in a blackout condition. And so I told everybody, I said, hey, you know, get down. And I blacked out all the lights. Cops are, you know, rolling into there. I mean, not that they could get the field anyway because it's so fucking muddy, but we wanted to get the fuck out of there. And so we hit blackout and we jacked up on one of the canal roads because there's full canals where we're living at the time and uh, we managed to escape hopefully the statute of limitations on running from the police have long been gone and if so I will deny all of it anyway as a made up story for entertainment uh, <laughs> so of course I was the hero of the day right we all went for dice and we didn't get busted or hassled by the police and trust me you know small town cops they got nothing to do except uh, hassle fuckers especially kids because that's a, that's a pushover right so, um, that was awesome that Radzilla saved our bacon that day. And it actually had a lot of adventures over time, pulling out vehicles and going places. But the governor on the engine wouldn't allow it to go over speed at 45 miles an hour. So imagine, like, driving that thing from, like, Blythe to outside of Yuma someplace, 90 miles. Oh, you know, um, it's like driving a tractor. Just kind of keep lugging along. And that's, that's we should say here for ourselves as a big guy I always say you know I'm not, I'm not very fast I don't have a lot of speed but I, I'm like a diesel you know I'm like that truck I will keep going 
and at this point, I'm just, I keep going just out of spite. <laughs> I'm determined to outlive all of these people that fucking have irritated me in my lifetime. I mean, that's the serious goal of mine is to live as long as I can so that I can survive these people that have made life sort of less desirable. So anytime one of these Senator Jackoffs dies, anytime one of these corrupt fucking oligarchs kick off or whatever else, I feel a little bit victorious. Although I'm still stuck here and they're gone, so I don't know. <laughs> Maybe it's the other way around. <laughs> you know, same thing when you when you see people that you know you grew up with and, and now they're fucking ancient and fat and you know COVID kicked the shit out of a lot of them because they didn't believe in the in the virus or, or the vaccine or the pandemic. And, you know, your, your heart goes out to their families and so forth, but you know, it's a uh, it's one of those things you think, like another milestone. Like, I survived. I'm still surviving. I'm still here. Because I am on my own timeline. And hopefully you will also sort of get in the TARDIS and become a Time Lord. And start using your time blindness in ADHD. In neurodivergent, neurodivergent uh, superhero-dom. Where we often get criticized for time blindness, but if you sort of work with it, you can use it to your advantage and have a really long life. All right, I see that FedEx is here, which means my gorilla mind pre-workout, which was recommended and sponsored by Aaron Berkeley's bodybuilder buddy who's gonna have a fantastic year him and vigorous Steve at the muscle factory in um, Thailand in Bangkok and Pattaya they are uh, gorilla mind enthusiasts and so we're gonna try some gorilla mind today so I'm happy that FedEx has pulled up in fact I'm getting ready to, to jump off so I can get in there because you know I love my stims I love my pre-workouts so that means I'll have a, a good pump today when I hit to the gym. All right, thanks to uh, White Bat Audio for the uh, background uh, music as always. You can Twitch stream music for Cyberpunk Mix. This one was called Villains. It's royalty free. There's no copyright. Um, it's amazing. And they're, they're just a lot of great stuff. So a shout out, of course, and credit to uh, Carl Casey at White Bat Audio. And so it's just these great synth tracks. I mean, this guy is just prolific in producing these. And, and I really appreciate it because I actually kind of like it. So, thanks to White Bat Audio for that. And there's the backup bell for FedEx. So, I'm going to try this Gorilla Mine and see what kind of timeline I can invent for myself today. If I had to put things back in the box, um, I'm kind of all over the place, as always. Because that's what we do. And I didn't, I didn't write anything down. I wanted to speak to you with a stream of consciousness and directly from my heart, as always. From me to you, through your ear holes on this one, since we didn't make a video. And uh, in the end, basically, I would say, enjoy yourself.
do what you want to do. Don't hurt anybody. And don't hurt in yourself. But have fun. Don't lose your whimsy. That's where we get the moxie. Have a great day. I'll talk to you soon.